and verse 6 and at midnight there was a cry made behold the bridegroom cometh go ye out to meet him and at midnight there was a cry made behold the bridegroom cometh go ye out to meet him Lord Jesus we thank you we thank you Lord for what you're going to say in this service tonight we shall give you all the praise for all the blessing you've blessed us with all the healing all the promises all the fulfillment you've made in this church tonight we thank you tonight and they that were ready went in with him to the marriage and the door was shut and the door was shut Revelation 19 says and the bride hath made herself ready God bless you right now in Jesus name may be seated I want to tell us tonight the midnight cry the midnight cry the midnight cry we children of Elmar Samuel and Neil, my father used to have a joke that there's a gentleman that in the Caribbean that wanted to join uh, is to come to England and uh, my dad really wanted to help him but he was not always in the position to help him and he would always write and say when will it be he says late May or early June or July and that time never seemed to arrive and was always what he, he believed that that was a time going to happen it never did happen and I don't know if the guy ever left the Caribbean but that was a promise he was holding on well I was of the impression when Jesus says no man knows the day nor the hour when the Lord do come not even the son of man I used to believe that the date was not set I used to believe that I used to actually believe that God don't have a date set just one of these days he would have arbitrarily said I'm coming and show up but I found out there is a date set and a time a day and a time set but the Bible says no man knoweth the day nor the time but the father only listen now but the father only he knows the day and the time when it's going to happen. He knows it, but nobody, not even the Son of Man, I mean the man Christ Jesus, he himself didn't even know when he's going to come back. Now I need to tell you right now, everybody who died yesterday and last night for them, he has arrived. He has arrived. And as you notice, I said this morning, the brethren told Joseph, we will never bow. We will never do obeisance to you. They did do it. They had no choice. Circumstance in life changed. And they didn't even know who they were bowing to. But they bowed to Joseph. And they did obeisance to him. If they didn't, they'd be killed. And I'm so glad the Bible says every knee shall bow. Every knee. Touch your knees right now. And I don't care if you're agnostic, atheistic.
or polytheistic or dualistic or whatever you are. Those knees are going to bow. And that tongue will confess that Jesus Christ alone is what? Lord. And there is no other. That's not iffy. The brethren of Joseph had to bow. And they had to do obeisance to him. So it's not an iffy. It shall be that way. Now at midnight, I noticed in my observation as a person on earth terra firma, that whenever people die in the Caribbean that I know of, no matter how sick they were, I don't know of anybody who died 8 o'clock in the morning, or 12 noon, or 4 o'clock, or 5. I don't know anybody who died that time, except it be an accident or a car accident of some sort, or a fight where one got killed. But in terms of this normal sickness and dying, it seemed to me at midnight more people kicked the bucket at hospital than any other time of the day. In fact, they tell me that's the most crucial time. Now, I've never worked shift work in my life until I was caught in a strike and I was on staff and I was forced to work. And so they shut me in. Now, I'm going to tell you, I was on the night shift. Then they shifted to a day shift after a while. But I was on the night shift. And I could work at night all right. But there come a time, the twilight, where we're going to shift from night to day. I'm telling you, friend, I could not stay awake. There was a spirit or a pressure that came on me. I found it hard to cope. At that time, I felt like quitting. I felt like packing my bag and get out the sight. I couldn't anyway because the bus wouldn't take me outside. And there were an aggressive guy at the gate who probably hit me with some stones because I'd be called a scab. But it's a time very crucial. Midnight means a lot to Israel. It may not mean much to anybody tonight or Gentiles, but if you search your Bible in the book of Exodus chapter 11 and verse 4, and if you look at Exodus 12 and verse 29, God told Israel at midnight, there's going to be a cry. At midnight, you're going to experience a 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 1 to 3. Look at those two scriptures and see what I'm talking about. <clears throat> the angel of death will come by at midnight. And any house that did not have the blood of the lamb applied to the lintel of their house would suffer death. Every firstborn would be killed. And so anybody whose house didn't have the blood applied, the death angel had authority to go in that house and kill the firstborn irregardless of the age. Firstborn animals, firstborn pet, it's going to die. The only redemptive power was the blood of the lamb that was slain that night at midnight. The angel came out with a sword and he was getting for vengeance. 
And he came through Egypt. The death, in fact, there are movies made about it. I've been to movies and saw movies before I got saved that show you the death angel passing through and the cloud and, and cries were made. There was a midnight cry in every house. So it's a matter of how you interpret the scripture. But I know in Egypt there was a cry in every house at midnight because at midnight somebody lost their firstborn. And the devil, Amy, couldn't do a thing about it because God was the one that was giving order to the avenging angel. And the Bible said the people who had the blood of the Lamb applied to their life. Hallelujah. And the Bible said that night was not a night to sleep. Everybody had to be awake. They had to have their lawns girded. Their lamps burning. And they were in a state not getting ready. They had to be ready. Because something going to happen tonight at midnight. And the Bible said when the angel began to come through, there was cries in Egypt like they've never heard before. It was a midnight cry. Crying of death and destruction. But oh church, but there's also a cry of Jubilee of people that were redemptive, of people that were justified, glorified. Amen. And they did not suffer a loss. That's why we take communion. Communion remind us of a midnight situation where Israel, amen, experienced the death angel passing over them and could not touch them. Because when he came and saw the blood and the blood on the post, he could not touch anything that was curdled by the blood. That's why we think the church should still teach the blood and preach the blood. It's our passport. It's our protection. It's the mark of Christ. It means somebody died for us. Everybody in Egypt had a death, but one had a substitutionary death and wanted to die for their own sins. Uh, oh, I'm so glad somebody died for me. I don't need to die for God. God died for me. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. And the angel began to slay them, but could not touch them with the blood on their life. But he didn't stop there. The 10th chapter of 1 Corinthians. Let me tell you who the coming of the Lord is for. Don't be under any illusion. A lot of people would love to be in the bride. And so they should. A lot of people like to go to paradise. And so they should. A lot of people would like to be in the bride. And so they should. But everybody who cry, Lord, Lord, is not going to enter in. Many going to seek to enter in and shall not be able to because something was missing. I'm going to tell you what was missing tonight in the 10th chapter of the book of 1 Corinthians. Here's what was missing in the life of Egyptian that died, which represent the world. The world is represented in the Bible by Egypt. Satan is personified in symbolism by Pharaoh. And the children of Israel are looked upon as the bride of God. Amen. And Jehovah was the bridegroom. And Moses was their preacher. And at midnight, Moses says, Everybody get ready. Forget about sleeping. You're going to sleep tonight. You're going to get ready to go on a journey. Tonight, you're going on a journey. 
Now they heard the cry next door, but couldn't help anybody. What happened? God told Israel, leave. Tonight, you're going to leave Egypt. Now church, from the time that from Joseph went down to Egypt, 70 souls. They grew to be two and one half million people, they calculate. In that short time of 430 years. They grew that much. And the Bible said God was going to bring them out at midnight. Out of Egypt. Which is a type of the world. And when the blood was applied, the angel could not touch them. And God said, now that Pharaoh, this church, it's only after the ten plagues were up on the houses of Egypt that the blood was applied. Hello. So there's a great tribulation in the land of Egypt. But Israel was not affected because she was in the land of Goshen. And she was protected. But the Egyptians knew where they were and would have killed them if they didn't leave that place. And said, so now you got to leave because Egypt is angry. They're very angry. And they know your God is doing what's going on. And so at midnight, Israel had to leave Egypt. Hello? The midnight cry was, Pack your bag! It's time to go! I don't care what say the cooking you are, forget it. I don't care what kind of business transaction you have, drop it. And I don't care what kind of game or toy you are playing with your kid, forget it. Have your feet shot. Have your lungs girded. Pick up your belongings. We're going to leave church. Their, their, their future was to Mount Sinai where the marriage was going to take place. And God said, now it's time to leave Egypt. What's the first thing they do? They don't understand what God's doing. You see, folks don't understand why baptism is significant. Because Israel didn't understand either. God said, now, go by the Red Sea. I'll tell you why. He planned to baptize them. I like the name Red Sea. It's not literally red, but it's called Red Sea. That means you're baptized in a bloody sea. Oh, hallelujah. God says they went into a watery grave. I want you to imagine this. Water stood up on both sides, several feet high in the sky. And in the middle are some people walking on dry land. It's not swamp. It's not muddy. They're not bugged down. God sent a wind that did not blow them away, but blow the water away. And they walk through on dry land. It all happened at midnight. I'm going to tell you, God's going to repeat that same process now. There's a midnight call that's coming from the portal of glory. It's time to get the Lamb's blood applied to your house and applied to your children and applied to your family because the tribulation is coming. But you can have tribulation and not tribulation. While your neighbors are crying, you are praising God. And the Bible said they went through the Red Sea, baptized in water unto Moses. And then it says they were also baptized in the what? Cloud represent God's Holy Spirit. That cloud they were baptized in is the daily Shekinah glory of God. To the Egyptian, it was darkness. 
But to Israel, it's light. Hallelujah. That sea that remit Israel past was a drowning element to Egypt. And they walked through that place on dry land. They were baptized unto Moses, amen, in the Red Sea and unto the cloud. I'm trying to tell you, friend, if you want to be in the bride, you've got to be baptized in water. Amen. Unto Jesus Christ. It's going to be the same parallelism, the same symbolism. Amen. For the remission of sins. I'm telling you, the rapture is not just for anybody who just simply believe. My friend, belief and staying easy means you will die. If you believe, then you apply the blood. If you believe, then said, get out of Egypt. If you believe, go to the Red Sea. If you believe, be baptized in the clouds. I'll cry to the midnight cry. So you got to go beyond just believing. It's beyond just faith. It's beyond just accepting. You've got to do something, my friend. Get up and get going through the watery grave. Hallelujah. Amen. Egypt is burying her dead. But we're baptizing our living dead. Hallelujah. And we shall live again on the other side. At midnight. Israel will never forget that. God says, don't you ever forget. You came out of Egypt at midnight. Now, Jesus know the story. I said, he know the story. Hello. And the Bible said, in the 25th chapter, verse 6, at midnight, there was a town crier who noticed the coming of the bridegroom. And blow the trumpet. Bump, da, da, da. You see, Israel have several trumpets in her life. A silver trumpet, one would blow for war with a distinct sound. One would be for the calling of the elders and another for the march. You have to know the distinct sound, what it meant. I'm, you see, I, Pastor, I don't believe that. Let me tell you something, friend. In the same midnight cry, when the midnight cry in the 25th chapter takes place, it's the same cry where it said about Jesus Christ. He said in John chapter 5, those of the grave will hear his voice. And them that hear shall live. Those who don't hear shall stay dead. I'm going to taste church. It's a midnight cry. Now I follow in Asia, when it's midnight over there, it's day over here. That's why Jesus says the day or the night or the hour, you don't know. Because he knows this world is spiritual. He knows our shape. And when it's night here, it's day over there. When it's day over there, it's night over here. So he's not dumb. He's telling you what goes on. Amen. Amen. It might be midnight for us here, but over there it might be midday over there. Hello? Hello? You said, I don't believe it. Well, on the cross, what happened? At midday, it turned midnight. When they slew the lamb, at midday, the boss of the sun was as dark as indigo black. And at midday, it turned midnight. Praise God. Because the sun had gone out. Now the Bible said they were baptized in the cloud and in the sea. And when they came out on the other side, honey, they were rejoicing and shouting and carrying on. Now church, I'm going to shock you tonight. Israel did not have to go to Mount Sinai. 
to be the bride of Christ. Because what they did by the blood and the baptism in the Red Sea and in the cloud was the signature covenant. That's the memorandum of agreement that they are now the bride of God. Read your Bible. He said, for he was married to Israel. Amen. But he also said it would be a three-day journey into the promised land. He did not want Israel to see what? War. Because he feared they might backslide when war is seen. The most crucial time in the new convert is the first few days of conversion when the hot battle starts and the fiery darts of Satan comes against them and families begin to reject them and they're misfit and they're mocked and scourged. Many of them can endure. Jesus Christ put it in a parable. He said these, these days they, they survive the coming of the birds, but they couldn't survive the scorching of the sun because they started for a while. And when persecution and trials came for the gospel's sake, they fall away. Honey, there is no second place in God's kingdom. You either be a winner or a loser. You're an overcomer or you're defeated. You were the Carolina, not at all. My friend, there is no second place. He said, when trials come and tribulation come for the word, they are offended. If you're offended, you will not be in the rapture. You can't allow yourself to be offended. You can't allow the burst of steel of the word out of your heart. You can't allow the thorns to tie up your fruitfulness. You gotta overcome, and he that overcometh will inherit all things. The church must give a midnight cry. Now, church, I don't want to be critical. I don't want to be critical, but I, it bothers me. It bothers me when conventions and conferences are, are kept. The titles are mediocre. They don't want to remind you that there's a hell. They won't talk about it. You will never go to one conference where anybody ever preached about hell. It's just not done. And if you preach about hell, you will not have another invite. You understand that? You will not be reinvited to preach again. And they don't want to talk about the coming of Jesus because it's too conflicting. Too many ideas are out there. And they don't want to polarize. They want somebody who can speak and draw the crowd. It's no different from the hockey game. We want the stars that will guarantee the box ticket is going to be sold. So they want somebody who prophesy smooth things. But this man that came on the scene, he came with a midnight cry. He said, Behold, the bridegroom cometh. He did not say he came. He said he's coming. The word cometh being continuous. He has not yet arrived, but he's on his way. He's not stopping. He's not postponing it. He's not procrastinating. He's not putting off. I'm going to tell you, my friend, some people are going to say, My Lord, delay is coming. It's a lie. It's a lie from the pits of hell. 
There is no delay in the promise of God. And some people think God is slack concerning the promise of his coming. And said, where is the promise of his coming? Though since the father fell asleep, all things continue as they were from the beginning. It's a lie. What about Isis and Ishbalah and Islam and Catholicism? They were not in the beginning, honey. These are new events. But the Bible says, at midnight, there was a cry. Go ye out. Out from where? Egypt. Now, word, Israel, Moses was your savior. Hello? The first time he came, they rejected him. Is that right? Who made you king over us? How can this man save us? The second time, he saved them. He brought them out. But the first time, they rejected him. Does that remind of somebody called Jesus Christ? I'm going to talk to you because everybody's concerned about the atomic clock. I'm not worried about the atomic clock as I'm worried about the bloody clock. Hello, somebody. You see, the man of God in the Bible had to have somebody on the wall. And they could not tell what time of the day or what hour the new moon would show up. And they could not declare the month of October uh, end of harvest. They could not without seeing the new moon. That new moon gave a cycle of the, the beginning and the ending of harvest. Close to harvest, we don't know right now whether we're at the beginning or the midpoint or the end or the end of the harvest. But we need to find out because somebody said the harvest is past, the summer is ended, and yet we are not saved, honey. When they left Egypt, anybody left behind on the other side of the river is good enough for Egyptians. The new moon. How could they tell when it's time? Somebody had to look. And when Jesus said, no man know the day or the hour, he wants reference to the fact in the new moon, they couldn't tell when it's going to come up and when it goes down. And they had to watch it. And when they found that it came up, the first thing that man was required to do on the wall was to blow the trumpet and let them know it's the beginning of the year. Hallelujah! It's the first time of the year and the end of the year because the beginning of the year is the beginning of harvest. Come on now, somebody listen to me. And Jesus Christ said, the field are ready for harvest. Church, you've got to know what time it is. We're not sky gazers or stargazers or moon gazers or Jupiter gazers or these planet these guys are going to. That's not what we're looking at. He said, look unto me and be saved, for I am God, and there's none as church. If you miss the coming of the Lord, the place church, there is no other ride for you. Hello? This song was written. Parker, your ride is on the way. This woman was dying. Live for God. And she was dying. And she heard a voice. 
that says, Packer, at midnight, your ride is on the way. Hallelujah. Now, word, get ready. You can't be getting ready. In fact, be ready. And so the Lord said, when the bridegroom showed up, they were shocked. One thing you don't want to miss, someone taught us, you don't want to miss the season. You don't want to sleep when it's sowing time. Otherwise, you're not going to be a part of the harvest time. Mm. And this harvest time. And you won't know what the season is over unless you can hear the cry of the trumpet. Because you're not going to stay up all night and look for the new moon. Amen. So the new moon could come anytime. So it, this is unlike our calendar where we have uh, uh, the Julian calendar. Well, they got another calendar. Amen. That's a lot different from ours. Amen. And they know that they got to go by God's guidance. And so Jesus is using this and said, the church is like a bride in waiting. Now, it was said, when I was getting married, I had to wait for my wife at the altar. Don't play that trick on Jesus. It ain't going to work. So somebody saying it ain't going to work. It's not going to work. He will not wait for you at any altar. When he comes, you better be at the altar waiting for him. And you better be ready. And you better not be late. Because this one ain't going to tarry. He said, the Lord whom you seek shall come and will not tarry. You won't have time to change your hairstyle. You have time to change your garment. You have time to change your shoes or your socks. You've got to be in a constant state of readiness. How long must I wait till he gets there? How long should I wait till he showed up? Hallelujah. And the Bible said there were some virgins that mean people who live clean lives waiting for him. And Jesus is using it to tell us and all those who want to be a part of the coming of the Lord for his church. It says there were virgins waiting. They knew his coming. They did not say he delayed his coming. The only promise, they went to sleep. And Paul said, let's not sleep as others who sleep. Amen. First Corinthians chapter 5. It says that. I, I, I think chapter 5, or First Thessalonians rather. Let us not sleep as others want sleep. For they that sleep, sleep what time? In the night. In the night. In the night. Do you know the first time he came? Nobody knew he came. You know when they found out? Two years later. Let me show you how slack Mary and Joseph was. They went to church, went home without their son, and didn't even miss her. That's bad. Now, when a lady in the church, she got the form. She went home without her kid. Left her kid right here, crying for mommy. Jumping in her car without a kid. I come right back and make a prayer kid. She forgot her kid. How many people have left Jesus behind? Supposing he's in their midst. Let the folks suppose they got the Holy Ghost. 
but they don't talk in tongues. They despise the evidence. They talk against the evidence. If you don't talk in tongues, you don't have the Holy Ghost. And in my Bible, oil represents the anointing of the Holy Ghost. The oil is what you got to have. Otherwise, you're not going to fly. You're going to be like a duck with wings, but never flop those wings. Mm. Oil means the Holy Ghost. They did not have the power of the Holy Ghost. And the Bible says, if any man has not the Spirit of Christ, he is none of his. The Holy Ghost is not something you get one time and you quit getting him. Be refilled. Be full of the Holy Ghost. You've got to get the Holy Ghost over and over and stir up the Holy Ghost. Because if you don't, you run the risk of being a foolish virgin. And when he comes, you're going to find yourself, my God, I didn't pray long enough. I didn't intercede long enough. I didn't stay at the altar long enough. And you went home off empty. And when he came, you run out of stuff. You can't get higher. The worst thing that happened to an airplane is take off without enough fuel. And once the plane starts dumping fuel, he better land pretty quick. Otherwise, you're going to crash. Now, church, the bridegroom coming, and you're the sad situation. When he came, they were not ready. I don't know if you, your guys are husbands or wives or whatever, but most late couples is usually the wife that is doing something that hold back the situation. And if you, if you, and most time they'll say, "Go if you have to." They're hypocritical. They know you won't go without them. They're testing your patience. Go without me if you want to. I'll, I'll see you there. They know there's only one car. <laughs> and they've never changed once in your life. But this bride is not going to hold Jesus back. He said he's coming. You're going to touch down and take off. And they did not have their vessel full of oil. Tonight, church, I don't believe you doubt Christ is coming. But I believe it's possible you're, you're sleeping. I'm not pleased with this church yet until I can hear you roaring through that wall that you're praying. That I know you're praying. You're not fooling me. You are not praying. You're sleeping on your knees. And I can tell from personal experience, I've been there, done that quite often. So I, I can figure you out. You know, one thief always can recognize another thief. Hello? Amen. And one sleeper can recognize another sleeper. You look like a sleeper, you act like a sleeper, and bless God, you are a sleeper. <coughs> Bible says, let us not sleep. Sleep is a dangerous thing. That's how Samson lost his glory. That's how Solomon lost his, well, I mean, uh, Saul lost his spare. Hello? That's when David cut off his what? Garment. That's when Eutychus fell and broke his neck. Sleep is not good in the things of God. You've got to be alert. The word sleep means you're, you're ignorant of the time. 
Now, our world can deserve the sky for the weather. And tell it's going to be foul weather or good weather. But they can't discern the sky and tell what time it is. Now, my church, I'm going to ask you tonight, can you tell what time it is? Hey, watchmen, what's up the night? What time it is? Am I wasting my voice? No, I'm not. I am sent for churches and preachers who will not shake their people. And say, so, wake, you sleeper. We've got too many jewelers on church pews. They're sleeping in the midst of a storm. And someone's asking, what is your occupation? Well, church, the answer should be, I'm an ambassador. Then how can we go in that direction? You go in the wrong direction. Paul, if I can better show it to you, don't believe me. In the, in the fifth chapter of First Thessalonians, church, it's the truth. People are sleeping. Awake, thou that sleepest. Arise from the what? Dead. And Christ shall give you light. Church, the Bible is predicting our failures. Not that God wanted to be that way. In chapter 5 of 1 Thessalonians. The time and the season, brethren, you have no need of our number. You know the season, the days of Noah, days of Lot. Huh? Hello? Did anybody know that Elijah went up to heaven? No. No, they didn't know. They didn't see it happen. But one guy saw it. Anybody saw Enoch to cough? No. Nobody saw it. It disappeared. And he was not. Hello? How many saw Jesus go to heaven? Just a few. 500. How many survived at Pentecost? 120. Church, I'm talking to you tonight. Tonight could be the night when the trumpet is blown. Tonight could be the night, the last time we get to fasten our seatbelt. But the time of the season, brethren, you have no need I write this unto you for yourself. Know perfectly that the day of the Lord cometh as a thief of the night. That's a, a thief? What's a thief does? A thief watch you, monitor you, and look for your weak point. In the wall of China, they tell me that the man that broke through that wall, he looked for ways and the weakness of that place to get in. The devil feels like we got a weak spot somewhere. And he wants to get in. When they shall cry peace and safety like right now, and sudden destruction come upon them, and a travail, that's what the atomic clock is talking about. Sudden destruction. We know we are in that period. And they shall not escape. But that's not what God told us. He said, we can escape. Luke 21, 32, 35 says, we can escape. How to escape? The things coming upon the world. How's it going to happen? God's going to take you out. Up and out. Root you up. Uh, and carry you out. But brethren, you are not in darkness. You know why Egypt is fallen. Iraq is fallen. Syria is fallen. Huh? Saudi Arabia is in turmoil. Greece is in her despair. And Rome is in trouble. America is in... Why? Why? We are not in the dark concerning the day that we're in. We should not be overtaken by any kind of political upheaval. Because these things must need come to pass. They must, but they are the beginning of sorrow. 
We are the children of light and the children of the day. We are not of the night. We are not of darkness. That means you're not ignorant. My people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. These fools of the virgin got messed up. They didn't realize it's midnight. They've done it before. Hello? He said, therefore, we must not sleep as do others. Let us watch and be sober. When I talk to my friends about prophecy, they said, Neil, you're crazy, Neil. You're, you're way off. I'm not way off. I'm talking about things happening today that the Bible talks about. We are not surprised. We are alerted by what's going on. And we can say that Daniel, 70 years have transpired. It's time to go back to the promised land. Amen. Babylonian Empire is coming down. Hello. We're not drunken in the night, oh God. But let of the day be sober, putting on the what? The breastplate of faith. Now, church, Noah entry was not known. Lot departure was not known. Elijah departure was not known. Enoch departure is not known. And the Bible says two shall be in bed, one taken, and the other don't even realize it's gone. Two in the field. Sorry, coffee a while ago. One gone. And others are left. It's going to happen, church. It's going to happen. And here's a sad story. And the ark was shut. They were shut out of the ark. They were shut out of the oil situation. They were cast out from the whip without wedding garment. Eden was a shut gate. Amen. They couldn't enter in. Many will seek to enter in. Elijah... Elisha couldn't walk upon Elijah's chariot and step on. Children, you can't go on the, on the skirt of your mommy and your papa. Amen. A shirt, you can't do it. you got to get your own oil, your own vessel. you got to get your own Holy Ghost and rise. Otherwise, you're going to stay behind. I'm talking to a church right now about the world, so you don't need to worry about it. Well, I'm worried about it. Let's come to Jesus. Now, that don't sound comforting. But the Bible said, we must not sorrow as others who have no hope. Others who have no hope. Need prayer? Praise God. Amen. Others who have no hope. But we believe we were alive and remain. Church, I just talking to think about those seven churches in Asia. There are people from that church that are gone to be with Jesus. And there are those who did not go. Now, I've got nine things to tell you right now to be ready for. You need to be ready for it. Number one, you need to be ready. America and Canada is supposed to have a fleet of airplanes flying 24-7 around the country. They can't afford to land. Because by the time they take off, the enemy can come and hit them. They have planes that fly nonstop. And they fuel them in the sky. And they're in constant surveillance. And Pearl Arbor was an example of not being ready for war. Number two, prepare to meet your God. You better make it all be ready for you. I'm ready to meet God. Number three, make your calling and election sure. Number four, constantly watching and praying without ceasing. You can't afford to fall asleep.
You can't afford to faint. Number five, you can't join the rest that forsake the assembling together of themselves together so much the more as you see the day approaching. Number six, you ought to pray without ceasing. I'm talking about there is no eternal security in this church, but there is, amen, a readiness that can give you eternal security. Pray without ceasing. Number seven, let no man take your crown. Mm. Number eight, set your affection on things above. Mm. Let's stand. And friend, hallelujah, let's cast off the work of darkness. For now is our redemption, what? Nigh and nearer than when we first believed. Now, I don't know what you think, my friend. Well, a lot of people think they can shout their way to Jesus Christ and play the rock music and he's going to be impressed. He's not saying a word. But suddenly, Pentecost, Holy Ghost, came. You couldn't time it. You couldn't put your watch by it. But it came suddenly. And I believe 380 people had planned to come back to join the prayer meeting. I don't think that they simply walk out on the meeting. I think they got tired of waiting. I think they got tired of waiting. And they made the mistake that Saul made. He was tired of waiting on the coming of a man called Samuel. And he against his better judgment and made a tremendous mistake. I'm going to tell you, church, I don't care how black the night is or how wild the day might seem. Jesus is coming. Get your wedding garment right. You must be spotless. You must be blameless. You must be courageous. You must be standing for God. For in a moment when I think not, He's going to come. It said two in a bed, one taken and the other left. I don't care what the theologian says. It means the one who's ready to go is going to go. And those who are not ready to be left behind. You know what I believe? I don't believe all of Israel left Egypt. I don't believe they all left. But one thing I do believe, some of Egypt left with Moses. A mixed multitude came out. Hallelujah. You think I'm stupid coming to church on Tuesday and Friday and Sunday? You think I don't have nothing to do? You think I'm coming here shouting in vain? Oh no. I'm like Noah. God said he's coming. He gave me a date or a time. But he gave me a plan. Give me a plan. Bill, till I'm ready. He told us, occupy till I come. Now, church, many years ago, in 1910, 1930, 
if I preach this, people will run to the altar. People will be weeping and crying and wailing. The altar will be full. People will be searching them souls. And see, if their heart is right, they will do the rapture test to see they're ready to go. But today, there's a generation that will try to enter in and shall not be able to. Hello? They cannot be moved. This is, preacher, get, get with it. We're in modern times, preacher. We don't need the mourner's bench anymore. We don't need all that shouting preaching. Give us charisma talk. Smooth talk. Don't talk about hell. Talk about my prosperity. Tell me how Jesus loved me. Don't condemn anybody. Don't judge anybody. Give us smooth things. You know, we're all going to go to heaven no matter how you live you're all going to make it that's what the Bible says it said look you Jews you better not bright you got Abraham to your family tree because you're going to be locked out and you're going to see who Rahab Ruth and people of lower quality locked in the kingdom and they're shut out. I want to tell you something about Pentecostals. One is Pentecostals feel they are entitled to go to heaven. They feel anything they do, God will accept it. They can change the Bible, change holiness, change righteousness, and let preacher preach anything he wants to. Just don't tell me the whole truth, the whole counsel of God. And they feel God is in league with them. And all they want is singing. They sing nine times of the ten and one time for preaching. Preaching takes too long. They give preacher 15 minutes and sing for two hours. Hello. Don't preach about things that cause division. Don't preach doctrine. Preach blessing. And so nobody... He's talking about blowing the trumpet. Give Zion an alert call. Behold the bridegroom coming. I want the choir to hear song again. The Lord said the lukewarm and the backslider it's not going to wear that wedding gown. Church, don't be stupid. By 2018, the Bible tells you this generation is going to see the coming of the Lord. Nobody wants to talk about it. Well, let me tell you, church, talk about it. We're in 2015. In three more years, the world could change. In three more years, God could take the church off this earth and turn over to a reprobate, demonic antichrist. But church, I'm so better things of you tonight. Get ready. Get ready. Get ready. Get ready. Watch out! He's coming! He's coming back with power! Hail the blessed hour! They said He's coming! Are you ready? Are you ready? Have you got the wedding garment on? 
Is your name in the book of life? Come on, don't be deceived. He's coming. Say it. Coming, I hear the midnight cry. Can you hear the cry? We'll go up with the shout if shout. we all go down. We in the sky. Come on, church. So Are we ready? My brother. Don't get ready. No Be ready. Take your crown. Oh, the lukewarm and the backslider won't wear the wedding gown. Behold the bridegroom coming You gotta be ready I hear the midnight cry We'll go up with the shout We all go out To meet him in the sky So watch and pray No one take your crown For the lukewarm and the backsliders Won't wear the wedding Hold it, hold it, hold Hold it as far as I know right now, at least more than half of our oneness Pentecostal churches only have one service on Sunday. They have copied the Egyptians, the Canaanites, who first did that. They don't think it's worth preaching to two people or five people. I don't care how many pews they got. Jesus Christ left the crowd. And preached to one woman. He went to a pool and healed one man. He went to a cemetery and raised up one dead. So don't you discount one soul. One soul is worth more than all the riches in the world. We gonna have service if it's ten, a hundred, a thousand. Why? So much the more as we see the day approaching. That Jesus is coming. I've got to get somebody ready. i got to pull somebody out of this burning world huh, and tell them, Behold, sing it, the bridegroom coming. Behold, the bridegroom coming. Whoa. I hear the midnight cry. 